Hey, you're listening to the Riverdale Podcast. This is episode number 139. My name is Jonathan. Welcome to lovely Riverdale, USA. This is the official Archie Comics podcast. We are now the official podcast of Archie Comics. How cool is that? Um, we have, uh, I have the Riverdale podcast has officially joined forces with Archie Comics, guys. Um, it's a big day for me. Um, big day for you guys. We get a bunch of great stuff uh, coming up in the future, which we'll talk about later in the show. First things first, I want to welcome any new listeners, anybody who uh, has picked up on this episode through uh, Archie Comics social media uh, or from the Archie site. Welcome. Welcome. Um, I'm super pumped to have you with us, and I uh, hope you like what you hear and come back every week uh, for, for the show. Uh, and what is the show? Let's get into that. We update every Saturday morning, and every week we break things up four ways. First up is the book of the week. That's the comic book I read this week. Sometimes it's a new comic book, sometimes it's an old comic book, but it's always an Archie comic book. We move then to the news of the week. That's what happened in the world of Archie Comics in the week since our last podcast. Then on to new releases. That's what came out this past Wednesday and what will be coming up this coming Wednesday from Archie. And we're going to wrap up our New York Comic Con coverage finally this week with the Dark Circle panel from the uh, Sunday of the show. Um, I guess we'll talk more about that when we get to it, but uh, a huge lineup of creative folks from the Dark Circle line, Archie's superhero line that's launching next year. This uh, is really going to give you a good idea of what to expect coming up. Lots of great information in there. That is what the show looks like this week. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get into the book of the week. All right, you guys, this week's book of the week, brand new this week, Sonic Boom number one. This is a brand new Sonic book based on the brand new animated series and the brand new game from Sega. Uh, the brand new show is going to be premiering on Cartoon Network um, momentarily within the next few days, I believe. So this is your your first look at these new character designs and new characterizations of uh, the, the characters and the folks that you know or may know from Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, this is a hugely successful book. Um, and, uh, you know, remains to be seen what the sales numbers are necessarily. It was hugely successful in that uh, the creators pulled together and did something um, fun and light and funny and charming. Um, just a great book. I really enjoyed this from front to back. I think you guys will as well. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the creative team right off the top. Uh, written by Ian Flynn. You can't go wrong with Ian Flynn. He's been writing these Sonic books and the Mega Man books for years and years and years. Um, pencils by Evan Stanley. Inks by Rick Bryant. Colors by Matt Herms. Lettered by Jack Morelli. Uh, we got covers by Patrick Speziante, um, Evan Stanley. Uh, the, the whole team uh, working on a, a bunch of... I believe there are six covers for this in total, so keep your eye out for those. Um, I would be remiss in not mentioning the uh, the editor. In fact, as it says in the credits, the executive director of editorial, Paul Kaminsky. Paul Kaminsky has done an awesome job editing the Archie Action Line for years, and um, I'm going to give him a lot of credit for what goes on in these pages as well. Insofar as uh, immediately the inside front cover gives you um, just a little bit of description of what to expect in Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom is sort of a refresh of these characters, um, is introducing you know new, new personalities and new characterizations for them. Um, so here on the front cover, on the right-hand side, we get... Uh, a few paragraphs of, of just what's going on, where where we are, what we're doing. Um, and over here on the left-hand side, 
introduces you to all the characters. Just gives you a few words to let you know who everybody is and a little picture of everybody. That's amazingly helpful. That's awesome. Um, so that brings someone up to speed pretty quickly who maybe doesn't know the characters and is getting into it. Also, um, gives you idea an idea of you know who the characters are now. If you're familiar with the regular Sonic books, um, this tells you that things are a little bit different. Expect something a little different. Um, and something different is definitely what we get in here. Uh, this issue is entitled Getting a Little Bolder. That is a, a play on words as we're dealing with a, a rock golem through this, uh, most of this issue. Now, what Ian Flynn does right um, is a long list. But uh, in this book, we jump right into action. From the first page, we are you know fighting uh, Dr. Eggman's giant robot. Um, and that's sort of just the introduction. They, they sort of uh, do away with that robot and they get onto the, the main plot of the book. And there's a lot of humor in here, a lot of sort of metatextual humor. There's a, a gag throughout where uh, as people are introduced, their, uh, <laughs> their names are presented in a big kind of logo kind of font. Um, and they the characters within the story are aware of their own fonts and their own uh, logos popping up, which is a, a funny gag and something you don't see enough of in comics. Um, you don't see enough humor in comics in general. That's one of the great things about Archie Comics. So uh, we're sort of reintroduced to the characters as they're going to appear in the animated series. Just a few cosmetic changes and... Uh, uh, a sort of uh, a simplification of everybody's role. There's definitely, you know, now the sort of tough one, the silly one, the not-so-smart one. Um, they're basically, you know, fitting some of the characters into these, these archetypes, um, and they play off each other very, very, very well. Ian Flynn cho- chooses to introduce us to these characters while we watch them solve a problem, which is a great way to introduce characters. Um, it, it, you know, it shows you everybody's strength, everybody's weaknesses, um, and it, it gives a sort of momentum to the story if they're you know, trying to accomplish something together. Super, super fun. Um, the artwork, as always, is fantastic. A little bit of a switch up. There are definitely uh, subtle differences in the art, so it's, it's going to look visually different than the uh, Sonic Universe book or the Sonic the Hedgehog book, the regular monthly books. There's a really funny, really playful tone to this entire comic, which I love. And it's not without its big action beats as well, while being humorous and and funny and and playful. I think if if you're an Archie fan who hasn't jumped onto the Sonic books, I think this is the perfect gateway comic to get you in. And if you're reading the Sonic books, you're going to see a lot of the same creators who have worked on the Sonic books you love, working on Sonic Boom, um, and doing a slightly different thing with the characters that you love. Um, I think this is a great book. Uh, I enjoyed it as a 30-something. Uh, I think it's great for kids, especially with the, as I said, with the introductory page on the inside cover. And also, we're going to have you know a letters column in the back. Um, just uh, uh, Paul Kaminsky, who I mentioned, does a great job just bringing about this kind of sense of community, running fan art, running letters, doing things like that. Um, so get in on the ground floor with this. Go out and get yourself a copy of Sonic Boom Number 1, this week's book of the week. All right, folks, in Archie news this week, here we are, the official Archie Comics podcast. For those who are just joining us, folks who have have jumped in with this episode, uh, the Riverdale podcast is a long-running podcast that I've been running uh, kind of solo, a fan podcast that uh, I've been running since March of... Uh, 2012, March of 2012. I had to reach far back to find that. Uh, recently, Archie Comics uh, came to me and asked me if I would be interested in kind of joining forces. 
So I think this is a cool, interesting opportunity. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, Archie Comics is really excited about it. And uh, I, I want to invite you guys in to this process. This is sort of um, newsworthy and exciting. Um, I want to hear what you guys want to hear. I want you guys to let me know um, now that the show has you know a little more access um there are definitely creators we can reach out to there are you know different things i want to hear your ideas i guess is what i'm saying um you can always get in touch with the show riverdalepodcast at yahoo.com you can also call into the show and leave voicemails at 573-427-2443 um you can call and leave a voicemail uh, for me to run on the show, you can uh, you know write an email with your thoughts, um, and let me know what you guys want to hear from the show because I am excited to make this you know uh, bigger, better, badder, and with the uh, the sort of power and influence of Archie Comics, I think we can do some really really awesome stuff. So if there's uh, you know creators you want to hear from. Uh, whatever you want, uh, get in touch, um, and I will uh, sort of be your conduit to try to make that happen. Um, really, really, really excited to be uh, joining forces with Archie Comics on this show uh, moving forward. Uh, so I guess that's it, guys. That's the news of the week. Um, Riverdale Podcast is the official podcast of Archie Comics. <laughs> All right, you guys, new releases. New releases for this past Wednesday, October the 29th, are as follows. Mega Man number 42 for $3.99. Of course, our book of the week, Sonic Boom number one, in its many, many variant covers uh, out this week for $3.99. Sonic Super Digest number nine. For four ninety nine, Sonic Universe number sixty nine for three ninety nine. Also out this week, the Sonic one thousand page comics celebration trade paperback for fourteen ninety nine. You should see this book. It is like, um, it it, it is monstrous. Those uh, thousand page di- thousand page digests are huge uh, and a, a massive massive value um, of a thousand pages. At fourteen ninety nine. Um, finally, out this week, uh, Archie Comics Spectacular Party Time. The Archie Comics Spectacular line um, is a really fun, small kind of pocket sized trade paperback series. Uh, really nice quality paper. Really nice quality covers. Uh, good looking books. Um, and that is out this week for five ninety nine. Looking ahead now to next week. Uh, November the 5th, next week we've got uh, a big week, a cool week. Um, I don't know which one of these is going to be the book of the week next week. Um, If you have an idea which one it should be, certainly right into the show. Um, Give me a heads up. Give me your vote uh, of what you thought was the best Archie comic coming up this week. Um, Archie number 661, really pumped about this. This is a Christmas time issue. This year we're getting uh, a Christmas issue for 661 and 662. Uh, but this week, this coming Wednesday, we'll have 661 for 399. Also out next week, uh, Archie's Funhouse Comics Digest number 10 for 499. Betty and Veronica number 273 for 399. This is the second part of the farewell Betty and Veronica storyline. I am so excited to read this comic. Uh, Michael Uslin writing that, uh, Dan Perrin on art. Um, Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, Finally, next week, the Betty and Veronica Jumbo Comics Digest number 228 for $6.99. The digital exclusive from Archie Comics this week um, is Archie Always Trendy. Uh, you can pick this up wherever you get your digital comics. Um, this is a three ninety nine collection, um, seventy ish, seventy plus pages of uh, trends from throughout the years. I'm sure this is going to be cool, uh, sort of quirky, dated um, 
uh, material. Uh, I'm excited, excited to check this out. Um, so that is out this week, uh, 70 pages for $3.99. Um, so that's going to do it for new releases for this past Wednesday, the 29th, this coming Wednesday, the 5th, and your digital exclusive this week from Archie Comics. All right, guys, I'm excited to bring you guys my kind of final piece of tape from last month's New York Comic Con. This is the Dark Circle Comics panel from uh, Sunday of the show, um, last day of the show, but folks were uh, still pumped, super excited to uh, to be here for, you know, some. they unveiled some art, which of course <laughs> won't translate well over audio. Um, but we really got to hear from the creators for the first time since um, all of these books were announced. And uh, there's some good talk of, of process and intent and things like that, which um, and a lot of enthusiasm comes through in this panel. So um, I'm really, really excited to present this to you guys. Uh, I won't tell you much more about it because, uh, you know, I'm going to leave it to the experts. They talked about it. Uh, at length so um, I will leave it to them I will present to you now the uh, Dark Circle Comics panel from New York Comic Con 2014 Hi everyone uh, I want to uh, welcome my name is Roberto I am the Chief Creative Officer at Archie Comics and I want to I want to welcome everyone to our first ever, first of many, Dark Circle panels. Uh, I was told to do. Um, I know it's Sunday, but let's try that again. Welcome to our first ever Dark Circle. I want to um, start by introducing all of our esteemed guests who are on the panel. As I say your names, uh, gentlemen, please raise your hand. Uh, first, I want to introduce Chuck Wendig, who is co-writing The Shield. Uh, to his right, I would like to introduce Dwayne Swarzynski, who is um, Then I would like to introduce Dean Haspiel. Artists on the Fox. Uh, <laughs> now we all have to stand up. <laughs> to his right is Mike Pellerito, who is president. <laughs> and to his right, there is Paul uh, Kaminsky, who is editing. Uh, um, last but not least, I would like to introduce uh, and then hand over the panel to Alex Segura. Many of you know uh, publicity mastermind. Uh, Alex is also spearheading Dark Circle and overseeing all of the books. So I'm going to turn this over to Alex. Alex. All right. Wow. It's, it's a huge <coughs> honor to be here. I want to thank uh, Roberto, Mike, and uh, specifically John Goldwater for giving me this opportunity to uh, oversee this imprint. Um, I think the big thing for Dark Circle when we were talking about it at first was the core of these books is the story. I think, you know, we can, it's not a gimmick imprint, it's it's reimagining these iconic characters and really telling that one essential story that no one's ever had the chance to tell. Um, a lot of the people on this panel are familiar to comic readers, but they also bring an outside perspective to comics. They're not part of the system, I think. You know, Chuck and Dwayne are novelists. Dean has done so many great indie works and worked at Vertigo and Marvel and DC and, uh, we're really bringing a different flavor to these characters, and uh, I think it's it's a really exciting opportunity. I've had the pleasure to work with Paul on the editorial and kind of brainstorm with Mike and Roberto and John, and it's it's really been a treat. Um, so I just want to dive in and show you guys for the first time what these books are about and have the creators talk about each of them, which is a really special opportunity. So let's dive in. I, the first one hitting is Black Hood. <laughs> you know, Black Hood, We've all kind of dog-eared the script in the offices just because it's it's got this cinematic, really literary feel to it, and it's just a down and dirty crime book, and I think that's what we want. Um, 
it's not cape and tights, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of the tropes that you see in, in other quote unquote vigilant, vigilante books, but Dwayne, just, you know, can you give us the uh, history of how this happened? And sure, yeah, I mean, um, it was back in February of last year? No, when did you first approach? Really long ago, yeah, um, Alex gave me an email and asked, you know, hey, we're resurrecting some old pulp, you know, hero characters, would you have a crack at the Black Hood? And I thought, okay, who's the Black Hood? Never heard of the Black Hood. Uh, so I did some research, and it was kind of cool. Is the story was, he's a cop who feels the need to don a mask to right wrongs. I thought, that's great. What would the modern version be? And I kind of, I had an idea, and I thought, well, Alex and Paul will never go for this. They'll, they'll laugh me out of the building. But I said, how about this guy, a cop, who's shot in the face, and now is on painkillers and fights crime? <laughs> and the reaction was not what I thought. They were actually, yeah, go for it, man. It was actually refreshing, because I mean, I, I kind of approach these things as, if I was writing a crime novel about these characters, how would I go? And I want to limit myself by thinking, well, it's only a comic, or it's only, you know, this. It's not only a comic, it's a comic. It's great. And it should be as badass as possible. So, um, what's great about this is just the license that, you know, Alex and Paul gave me to go run wild with it. And I have issue one done, and written. I'm almost finished issue two, I promise. Uh, Alex. And uh, I'm, I'm eager to see uh, Michael Gatos as the artist, I'm, I'm eager to see his pages. Um, he has a great, I've been a fan of his since Alias, you know, way back when, with Brian Michael Bendis back in the day. And I'm dying to see what his take on this is. So it should be a kind of cool, you know, downbeat, yet uplifting, morally, sort of, maybe, uh, kind of book. So I'm very excited for you guys to see it. Yeah, I mean... It was really funny when we got that first pitch, and, and I think you sent it with some hesitation, like, we're oh, not going to go for this. But yeah. we did. You know, it's 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 not a superhero comic. It's, it's really the first few pages. If you've read any of Dwayne's novels, you know the pace is frenetic. It's noir to the extreme, and so that's what we really wanted on the page. And having Gatos draw it, I think, was a huge coup. We were so excited yeah. to have him do that. Um, and, you know, we've got a bunch of great variant cover artists, including David Williams, who we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, but this is this is the uh, oh, go back just one second. This is the uh, die cut cover to Black Hood number one uh, by Michael Gatos, who brought a really painterly style. Uh, Roberta, you've kind of you and Mike have kind of seen the stuff as it comes through. So, and Black Hood is one thing that I know everyone's been really positive about. Yeah, I mean, um, it's our first book that we're putting out uh, on Dark Circle, and it, it's really setting the bar high, uh, which is great. And um, and if if, if 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 anything, I think you're as you develop the pitch and the script, it got only more noir and more gritty. Oh yeah, which which, which is great. And you know the, the 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 point of this is is to put out the absolute best crime comic book that we can put out and stack up against every other company's crime noir books. And I and I think with 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 Black Hood, we really really are doing that. I mean, it's great. It, it reads like a like a novel. I think Alex, you talk a lot about. This imprint being kind of like the HBO of, of 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 like the Wire and things like that, and it really does feel that way. It's it's great. It's a it's a it's it's a it's a unique unique take on this kind of character. Yeah, it's really more of a you know John and I kind of go back and forth about the shows we're watching, and there's a lot of overlap there, and it's really taking a network mentality, like you know, very creator driven, and just letting letting the talent tell the stories they want to tell with these characters that. Everyone is somewhat familiar with, but they haven't had that one game-changing story. So, uh, the next book that we're very excited about is *The Shield*, which is uh, co-written by Chuck Wendig, who's here. Co-written with Adam Christopher, who is also a novelist. He's based in the UK, and uh, Chuck and Adam, I guess, go way back to the dawn of time. <laughs> uh, it's drawn by David Williams, who some of you have seen uh, do just. To seeing do Nova and a bunch of other stuff for Marvel and, and DC, um, Chuck, I think you had a pretty similar experience to to Dwayne, though we did go back and forth a little bit. And the idea, the idea of the Shield, reintroducing the Shield as a new character, who's a woman, a really strong female character. I have to give the credit to Roberto and John. It came from a discussion they had, and, and I remember getting the email, and I was like, yeah, that that works totally. And I. You know, Paul and I talked to you and Adam, and, and it all kind of clicked into place once that decision was made. Uh, yeah. I will just project. Um, yeah, the... the Hello. Jesus. Hi. All right. Um, the great opportunity for us was to tell a character that's kind of that patriotic superhero character that's tied uh, somewhat, you know, ineluctably to the American experience, and then examining what that actually means with modern American... 
politics and the place of America in the world. How can you be a patriot but then also necessarily support a lot of the things that go on um, with the loss of privacy and surveillance, but then at the same time, creating a character who's really still a great uh, kick-ass comic book character and kick-ass superhero, um, who is practically dressed, I will note. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, we launched the origin story all the way back to uh, the Revolutionary War, um, so this is not, uh, she's not necessarily replacing the old version of the S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's sort of existing um, in some ways pre before uh, the Joe Higgins version of the S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was neat to play with that legacy. Our first pitch was actually a little softball, and we didn't know how brave we could get with it. Um, and then in discussing with these guys, we were allowed to get um, bigger and more, more thoughtful. Like you said, kind of the HBO idea, like what, not just about like, you know, fists and kicks and everything, but it's like, what are we going to say with this book? What kind of opportunity do we have? What does she represent, and what is she going to do in this world, and how is that going to reflect what people are going to see um, in the newspaper, uh, CNN, and stuff like that with the media? So it's kind of it's a lot of fun. Yeah, one of the one of the elements that really resonated with me reading the pitch was the kind of commentary on the world we live in. It's not just a superhero that wears red, white, and blue and fights a weird-looking supervillain. It's, it's really embedded in. You know, where's our country today? What What is it like to live in America? What does it mean to be a patriot? And how do you define that as a hero? Um, so we're really stoked about that. And you know, we'll, these are Wolfredo Torres' great designs. Um, we, we were really proud to announce before Comic-Con that David, quote unquote, Brohawk Williams is, is gonna be doing the art. Um, we went past it, but it's also on this dark circle poster that you'll get at the end of the panel. But Chuck, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about how dynamic it's been to work with David. Uh, David is awesome. Everything that he's wanted to do um, uh, fit not only in line with what our ideas were, but then he took the ideas that we had and made them like ten times more awesome. Um, you know, it's always nice to have someone who's eager to, uh, to kick some, some some ass with the, the visual design, um, but also play with like you know we don't this honestly Adam and I this is our first uh, rodeo in terms of comics. Uh, so it's nice to see someone who really knows what he's doing um, sort of take that help. And I, I'd like to think we got a, a nice head start on what we're doing by having the, the second Fox series become part of Dark Circles. Really, I've known Dean a long time, going back to my days at DC and his days working on stuff like The Quitter and The Alcoholic, two really critically acclaimed graphic novels in addition to stuff like Billy Dogma. So, you know, Dean brings this really dynamic energy to his artwork. You feel like you're almost in the page, which is great. And having, having Mark kind of add his coat of paint to it's been a real treat. Um, the response to the first Fox was so great uh, that we kind of went in knowing that, you know, Paul can speak to this a little bit more. We had to let people know this was a new series. Uh, it's, it is part of Dark Circle, and all bets are off. Yeah, the uh, the first Fox series, of, uh, Freak Magnet, on sale upstairs at booth 1936, <laughs> <laughs> um, is, uh, was a lot of fun working with Dean and Mark Wade and uh, J.M. DiMatteis, and uh, it was just, it was a blast, and uh, it was not your typical superhero book, uh, you know. It's about a it's about a guy who really can't stand that all these supervillains are trying to fight him all the time. He's just trying to get home in time for dinner. It's kind of frustrating, really. Um, and the the sense of humor and um, the sense of action uh, that Mark and Dean brought to that kind of story uh, was just it was amazing to see, and the the acclaim and the response was was really incredible. But this time, um, you know. We just like the imprint are shifting to the dark to the dark circle, um, and you know things are getting a little serious for Paul. He's yeah, Paul Patton, uh, yeah. the, the Fox. He's kind of he's out there. You too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you started to refer to yourself in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> for George is getting angry. Uh, no. <laughs> so he. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I mean, the, the gist of it is like all this, all these supervillains get together and they're like, "Listen, um, this this Fox guy is kind of busting up all our plans. We should probably all just kill him. We should just kill him." <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets a little ugly. I, um, in a way, the Freak Magnet series for me, and thankfully I was given the latitude with Paul, was kind of like my commentary to the type of comics I liked reading when I was a kid, which I didn't think was around a lot these days, and I think that resonated with certain you know fans and audiences. But now we're amping it up. If Freak Magnet is basically like an appetizer to the mayhem that Fox Hunt becomes. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, by the end of the first issue of the new series, 
Paul has absolutely quit being a superhero. He's done. He throws his costume down. He hugs his wife. She's like, it's okay. But not, then, not me, Paul. Not, not this Paul. <laughs> Paul Patton Jr. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the villains won't let him not be a superhero. Let's put it that way. And it gets really ugly. I, I'm in the middle of uh, drawing the second issue. Um, without giving too much away, I've already drawn a splash page of an exploding head, uh, which is fun. I'm kind of pushing my own sensibilities, and uh, I think on page nine is the last time we see uh, Paul's face, because he has to don the mask and go full throttle because of various things that are happening, and it does not stop until the last page of issue five. I want to zoom out for a second and, and give our, our president, Mike Pellerito, a chance to kind of put all this into context. You've seen pretty much every iteration of these heroes, having been at Archie for, for such a long time, and, and I know you, you maybe this, this wasn't the way you expected it, but it's you kind of found it interesting. I, I wanted to get a sense of what you think of how things are going. I, I, I'm a comic book fan, first and foremost, so I'm into it. You took a nice turn that we weren't thinking of before. And it, all of a sudden, these became about crime stories, political stories, that have superheroes. Um, and each one of them do something different from themselves, but also different than all the other books out there. And I go every Wednesday, I hit my comic shop, and I don't, the guy holds the stuff for me. So I know what's good and what's not, and I probably like the same stuff you guys like. And go, growing up editorially and at Archie and moving up to president, I'm not hands-on with this. So I get to see what you guys wish you could see. I got chills reading the pitch on Black Hood because I didn't know what to expect. The Fox, I go, we're really going to do this? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we have to. I was like, okay, fine. Just, just send the bad letters to me when people complain that the heads blow up and stuff. Really cool. Um, and a lot of what we do has to do with Roberto's book, a little book called Afterlife with Archie. It's the same kind of idea where we said, okay, we can do Archie, we'll be true to the core, we can do the Archie stuff that everybody loves. How do we make it for someone 25, 35, 45, 55, something cool? 47. Yeah. <laughs> Look good. Thanks. Keep the shirt on. Um, and Afterlife with Archie, we're like, oh, we could do horror with Archie. And now we've spun out Sabrina this past Wednesday, which might still be on sale at the booth. Um, and, and that's where Berto brought this huge usually different sensibility. And he said, you know, we can do anything we want with these characters. And now with Alex and Paul and Chuck and, and, and Dean and, and, and all the everyone here, it's just, it's brilliant to watch. And I just, I'm so glad to see the room filled. Get here early next year, because after these books come out, you're not gonna get into this room unless you're early. <laughs> it's brilliant. And that's, that's really the only thing I can say. I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, uh, when I first came back to Archie and, and had these added responsibilities, I think the mandate from John, Mike, and Roberto is, you know, there is the mandate is just to tell good stories. Um, we can pepper this with a bunch of other things, you know, covers or gimmicks, but at the end of the day, if the comics aren't good, it doesn't really matter. And uh, the fact that we're willing to take these risks, you know, the Shield, uh, the Black Hood is a really dark story. I mean. I, I had to take a little break after I read that script and, and go back to it. Not because it was bad, but because of, wow, I, I was like, this is going to be a comic. Do you need a hug? <laughs> Maybe not right now. <laughs> um, but after this. And, and the Fox is just, if you thought Freak Magnet was intense and off the wall, I think it goes to a thousand. So it's really been a treat. It's been great to work with Paul and, and kind of get down and dirty in, in editing these books. And I want to take a minute to have each of the creators talk a little bit more about their experience and just what's next. You know, tease one thing that will. Uh, Make the editor and me happy, and probably piss off the publicist. In you. Uh, wow! Uh, <laughs> I vote for Chuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when they twenty sixteen. Uh, so you know the great thing I said about the shield is we can look at this idea of patriotism, and there's this whole shift, I think, in the country, and and this is probably something that happened before this, but in terms of like looking back and not being alive during that period, there's this shift that happens from kind of the sixties to the seventies. A sense of idealism that sort of rots and you know you kind of move into what you expect to be World War II which we're theoretically fighting you know the bad guys to Vietnam where I think we're basically just fighting ourselves and so we are not only envisioning the shield uh, now but we're also envisioning the shield through all of these time periods of conflict which is you know what is her role in each of these wars what is her role for America what is her role for the people of America and the 
the um, ideals of this country, and so it allows us to sort of just fun stuff. Yeah, there's a line in the pitch that you guys said that says, you know, the shield appears in the country's time of danger. She's appeared now, but she doesn't know why she's here. Right. And that's, I think, kind of the anchor of the whole book, which is, which blew me away. That was the one where I was like, okay, we're in. Every time you guys use that line, I do get a chill. <laughs> and because I know how it plays out and how it, it, it interacts with the old shield, how everyone sort of plays together nicely, um, it's, it's really, to me, that was the one twist you could put on it that I don't think anyone else had come up with before. So, kudos to you. No pressure for you. <laughs> well, the Black Hood, I actually, I love taking a character and pushing him or her to you know, the limits and seeing what happens. And in the case of Black Hood, he's actually a good cop. He's a good guy, lives in your block, you'd actually want to, like, you know, be neighbors with him. Uh, and one, one night happens, one bad thing happens, he's on this roller coaster of misery and, and mayhem. Um, it's fun to kind of bit people, I guess. I'm not sure why I like to do that, but um, <laughs> it is kind of fun like taking them. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think there's one spoiler. I, I originally pitched it as the Black Hood would die in issue five, and I was like, well, maybe not. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of wanted the Black Hood to live on as a, you know, perhaps as a symbol and as a, other characters. But we're actually gonna keep around for a, a long time um, and seeing kind of the, the progression. You, you see, when he ends up at, at, at issue five, he's in a very dark place yet redeemed a bit. Um, beyond that, it can be fun. I'm, I'm you know, eager to hear or see what happens to him. Definitely. It's funny you say that because um, it sounds like you fell in love with your character. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and if you yeah. fell in love with your character as a writer and artist, then hopefully everyone else will too. And that's, that's the key, you know. Okay. The only thing I can kind of maybe spoil or be kind of, you know, uh, corny about is uh, if you're a superhero with no superpowers, don't have a son. <laughs> He'll bite you in the ass. That's my little thing. That's intense. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's one of the things that came up when when we announced the rebranding of Dark Circle. The uh, I think that a little bit of the knee jerk reaction was, "Oh, everything's going to be grim and gritty." And it, you know, I think that's really just an element that runs through a lot of the books. Every every book will have its dark element, but really, I think Dark Circle presents an opportunity for fans of any comic, any kind of comic. We have dark crime noir, we have really superhero action with a, a hint of espionage and kind of country, you know, international commentary. And then we have this really manic, off the wall, superheroes on acid, as Paul says it, that is the box. So um, I think if you're just looking for quality storytelling, Dark Circle presents an opportunity for anyone, any fan of any kind of comic book. Um, I want to open it up to questions. We've got about 15 minutes left in the panel, and I know you guys are wondering a lot of different things. So if you want to raise your hand, we will take your question. Uh, about Fox Hunt, uh, it seems that the other two comics seem to be a complete relaunch, but that one's more of a continuation of the older, of the older one, of the Fox. Oh, it, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, a month later or a few months later, but it's, it's, it is, it does, it's, it's the next story, you know? it's. It's not that different. It's just amping it up a little bit more, you know. Um, I mean, do you have any more? You might call it a stylistic relaunch. Uh, I mean, right. uh, there, there's um, the, the series is going to be notab notably uh, different from the last one, but have have a lot of through lines. Um, so if you like the first one, this is a continuation of that. But and, and I'm also working with a colorist, Jose Villarubia, who I did Cuba My Revolution with. And when we work together, we kind of experiment. You know, so it'll add to the stylistic change in that way as well. So yeah, and it builds a little bit out to some of the characters we saw in the first one. You'll you'll see again, and uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. The, the story Dean cooked up for this one is just incredible. I actually had a whole other idea that I was talking to Paul about, and then when he came back to me, he said, "What about the words fox hunt?" And then I was like, "What do you mean?" And he threw something at me, and I was like, "Oh, I think I know what you mean now." <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, in regards to switching over from novel writing to comic writing, what are the challenges and difficulties that uh, pair themselves? Um, you know, it's funny. As a novelist, um, I'll go first. Actually, sorry, Chuck. We'll, we'll both, you know, for the novel cap. Um, I'm not big on description in novels, honestly. I kind of skip over them. You know, it's sort of a. I like you know characters' thoughts and their their dialogue and kind of action. But um, I'm more of the Elmore Leonard school, where you don't describe you know buildings or the clouds or anything else. Whereas with comics, it's very visual. Obviously, I had to learn how to talk to an artist and tell, tell an artist what I had in mind. And almost always, the artist has so much better idea of what looks good than I do. You know, I'm more like, here's a suggestion of what I see. And the artist, that's kind of his or her, you know, part of the collaboration. They see things wonderfully, vividly, in a cool way that I could never see as a novelist. So I do come to it as a, as a true collaboration where I'm telling, you know, 
part of the story, but the, the major part of the story is the visuals. You know, I try to approach it with that so the artist has fun too and telling that story visually. That's the biggest thing for me, biggest difference. Uh, yeah, novels are this great internal space. You have all of these pages to describe a lot of thoughts and a lot of uh, uh, description, and you have as much, you know, you can write these giant brick paragraphs, you can write these little tiny, uh, uh, you know, one-sentence paragraphs. But um, comics is kind of a weirder, more as, as he said, it's more visual, and you're, you've got a collaborator, and not only do we have a visual collaborator, but I'm also co-writing with another author, so that kind of changes things. Um, if it has common, uh, anything in common with anything, it's probably television writing. Because um, television writing, obviously, you're already working with a script, and it's very visual. Um, and really, a screenplay is, at the end of the day, just an outline, a very visual outline that people do things, and people say things, and then someone else is going to kind of take it from there. Um, and of course, television is very episodic, so you've got that factor uh, to contribute or, or to uh, see with uh, comics. So to me, it's it's nothing at all like novel writing, but it's, it's a lot like TV writing. Yeah, I just want to reiterate these three books. We, we're launching them. We're making a pretty strong commitment. We're launching them as ongoings. We're we're going to have a pretty active retailer incentive program where we can you know incentivize stores to stock these so you can try them and you know invest some time in these titles. Um, and I think it's really an exciting time for the company and an exciting time for each of these books. So if there are more questions back there in the blue. Uh, I thought Captain I heard Mer that they should, they should <laughs> That's you. Or thrown around a couple times. Is that when these three characters maybe interact for the first time and punch each other and then become friends? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to upset the publicist in me. And there, there will be hat tips to the other books. as, But it's, it's not a situation where you have to buy every issue of every book to understand what's going on. We, we do want, we, we realize that the comic shop buyer, you know, there's some books you like and there's some books you don't, and that's fine. We want to give you options. and, But it is in a shared universe. These things are happening all together. And, you know, maybe down the line, we'll see them run into each other. Mm -hmm. It's a small world, mm. after all. <laughs> okay. Do you have release dates for the books yet? Will they all be released in the same month? And the first the, the first book is launching in February, and then we'll follow with the second and the third in March and April. And will you be using Afterlife without you to kind of preview the <coughs> titles to um I don't think so. I think this is its its own imprint. Um, but we are, you know, as Mike said, we Afterlife and Sabrina are really the spearhead for this, you know, the kind of model of putting the best talent on the the best concepts and letting them execute. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was uh, Chuck or Dwayne who said it, but their, their initial pitch was a little um, softball. We said, no, go go wild with it. Don't be afraid to do whatever you want. Um, and that's been our attitude with everything, the distribution, the editorial. Um, you're going to see just some big, crazy stuff. Uh, we've got, um, I'm going to kiss butt and say our brilliant CEO, publisher, John Goldwater, who is in the world who uh, I often say slow down, relax a minute, <laughs> but he's gas, 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 go, go, go. So you're going to see a lot of these books and there's other characters that will enter the dark circle that we're not allowed to mention that are awesome too that we know about. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of really cool stuff coming right after the top of the new year. Um, yeah, actually, I'm sorry, guys. Um, dark circle, where, how did it come about with other rejected titles you guys have in the imprint? <laughs> like pink? Square or Future Circle was a Future Circle. Yeah, no, no, no. That you know, it goes back to John, Roberto, and Mike saying, "Hey, we want to be clear that this is a fresh start. This, you know, while these characters have been around a long time, if you've read nothing before and you're starting with Black Hood One, Shield One, Fox Hunt Part One, you're good to go." Yeah. Roberto, you uh, no, I actually wanted to ask a question of the audience, um, and maybe we could do a show of hands. How many of you were familiar with the Red? What used to be the Red Circle heroes and are now the Dark Circle heroes? Okay. What's your favorite? Okay, those of you that knew them, what was? What's your favorite uh, Red Circle now Dark Circle hero? Oh, Red was Red Circle now Dark Circle. Yeah. Well, you only had three Dark Circle characters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the Fox stuff. Yeah. Good. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Questions. How deep into the character well are you, will you be going for the future Dark Circle stuff? Like, back to the MLJ days? Like, deep into, like, Dan Hastings and those sorts of characters? Or is it more the recent character libraries post-80s? If I were to unveil the next wave, you would be surprised. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one character no one is yeah, going to no see coming. Uh, we, we got the pitch and we're like, 
Really? You like that yeah. character? And then and then we we read it and we're like, oh, we like this character now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it fits into the dark circle mold, but it's also adding an element that yeah. we don't have yet. So it'll be pretty cool. So deep. A yeah. deep cut. Deep yeah. cut. <laughs> Not a single or a B side. <laughs> More questions. I think you know. I think we need to talk a little bit more about the artists on these. Well, I mean, Dean's here, and you've talked about the Fox, but we haven't talked about Gatos or David Williams much. And that was uh, to me, and, and I think Paul and Mike can attest to this. There was a lot of high fiving around the office when Gato said, "Yeah, I'm in," yeah. because Alias is such a you know resonant work, and it really kind of is a sister to what Black Hood would ideally be. Mm -hmm. um, and he said to some of his more recent pages, and, and he's really, it's still got that alias feel, but it's almost like he's turned up the volume. Oh, he's so much like, he was always good, but this is amazing. Yeah. Um, I also like that he's an alias, that to me that was the rebirth of the new Marvel. Yeah, that's true. And in yeah. a lot of ways, what we're doing is the rebirth of all these classic heroes. Um, so I don't know if that was intentional or not, but uh, I, I dug it subconsciously. We'll take credit for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> credit. I mean, it's a lot of them, actually. I'm asking a lot of like of him, like you know, brooding moments, great you know, dark noir moments, but also uh, pretty intense action. You know, some really grisly things. I mean, Dean, you mentioned an exploding head on one page. When we have a guy shot in the face, we have all kinds of just just nasty stuff. That it takes a certain kind of artist to be able to kind of cover that you know, that, that world. Um, I'm really can't wait to see the pages. I know he's feverishly working right now, probably at this minute. Yeah, he was very <laughs> eager to know when they were all due. He's, he's got a few uh, in the pipeline. Yes, with uh, Chuck. I'm I'm really familiar with your work and uh, Adam's work from the Mighty Mer podcast. Oh. Uh, I should be writing. Um, tell me a little bit about your collaboration and how you guys came up with everything and how you work together and uh, working on the shield. Yeah, collaborating is um, easy for Adam and I. Adam and I come at um, I think writing from two different angles, and that's actually valuable. I think we both bring different things to the table in terms of plotting or dialogue or a certain kind of edginess or a certain kind of optimism. And I think both of those things work really well together when you kind of, you know, if you're willing to work with one another and you're not, you know, uh, banging heads all the time. Um, so basically we just do different passes on things. We just bounce things back and forth. And, you know, one person takes one uh, role and the other person takes the other. And then we just keep flipping and switching. It's like, um, I guess it's like tossing a pizza up in the air. Eventually it starts to uh, look like a do you guys ever demand to do one part over the other? So far, not yet. We okay. haven't had any, like, you know, arm wrestling. And, I mean, he's in England anyway, so I, I think I win. <laughs> <laughs> you have your hand up? No. Yeah, uh, so, when you decided to relaunch the comics, did you have specific characters in mind that you wanted part of this phase and maybe the next phase? Did you, and did you have writers who wanted in your head that you thought would be perfect for the characters or maybe some writers come to you? You know, in conversations with John and, and Mike and Roberto, it was always, we always had characters in mind, but it really came down to reaching out to the talent, you know, really talented creators that are going to bring that kind of outsider cinematic perspective to these books. And it was, you know, what character do you want? You know, which everything's on the table. Let us know what works best for you. And, and I think Dwayne was like, yep, yeah, Black Hood is in my wheelhouse. And Chuck and Adam said, we'd love to take a crack at the shield. And, and Dean was already doing some crazy stuff with the Fox. So it was really a matter of just going a little bit crazier. So um, the second wave has kind of put, come together in a similar fashion. So once we start rolling out those books, that will be really exciting. Uh, it, it takes that was a very subtle hand raise. Uh, it takes guts and effort and, and time and energy to launch an imprint. So I'm curious, what were the behind-the-scenes conversations that you guys had that made you say, no, we need to do this? What weren't you seeing on the landscape? What store, you know, what was the you know, launch impact for making you guys put in that time and effort and risk? That's a good question. Um, I think it, it is in, in, in the same vein as pretty much everything we do at Archie. It goes back to telling a good story and having these characters. We are one of the few companies that have an entire stable of superheroes that harken back to the Golden Age that do not have that one essential story told yet. You know, there's Batman Year One, there's Batman The Dark Knight Returns, there's, you know, Superman Birthright. These are those moments for those characters. I want people to go back and say, wow, that first Black Hood story, that's what really locked me into that character. No pressure. <laughs> and, and may I add, what's cool about that is that there's this library of you know characters going back to the 1940s, but because of that, it's less intimidating as a creator to feel beholden 
to any sense of like, oh, I mean, there's origins and stuff, you know, basically, but you can, you know, mess with that a little bit, and there isn't this like, you know, Batman Year One, or, you know, and then that gets retold a few times, but, you know, yeah, that's they're open. Yeah, sell sheet saying this is the continuity you have right. to stick to. I think it's, right. it's less continuity, it's more consistency and hitting the heart of these characters. And, and what he said early on, right off the bat, this, this is about stories, this is a narrative, you know, imprint, you know, and hopefully you'll walk away after a five-issue arc feeling something, you know, that's important to these stories, instead of just cranking out, you know, I don't know how you do 20 X-Men comics a month, I don't get, that doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm a fan, you know, and, and but, you know, as a creator, that, that can be stifling, you know, uh, and as a reader, maybe you want to have, like, just one of each of these characters, and start off with three, and then go to six, and so on and so forth. And I think by the time the first issues have come, I'm sorry to cut you off, the, by the time these first issues have come out, the Dark Circle brand will mean something in terms of great art, amazing art, strong storytelling, and a sign that this is quality, and that's what we want. We want the momentum to build. Um, and just back to your question about launching an imprint, and Alex, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, a little bit more, uh, but you guys may know that um, these heroes have been around for decades. Um, for a while, um, they were licensed out to different comic book companies. So one of the things John Goldwater did when he came back is he made a very big play to get these Archie heroes back to Archie and to do them right. So there was a lot of effort and investment in getting these characters back kind of where they started and doing that. And, and, and I remember that conversation that we had uh, talking about the shield and talking about how the shield always seemed to be in the shadow of Captain America, even though the shield predated Captain America, and 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 just the struggle of, of getting the shield out from under Cap's shadow. And John said, you know, what if the shield were a woman? And it was sort of a light bulb moment because it really did it, it did kind of allow us to just really rethink these these characters. And it's funny, you know, this this is the first relaunch where the, the shield's been announced and it hasn't been like, oh, and a Captain America knockoff. You know, it's the first time where it feels like the shield is a new kind of entity. And I think that's that that's very, very exciting. Yeah, there's this real sense of no fear with these books and trying different things. I remember, you know, you and John had the conversation one night, I roll out of bed and get the email, and I'm like, this works. It makes sense, and it doesn't... It's, these characters have been around a long time, and we're super excited to have an opportunity to define them for the reader now and for you know, older readers who maybe don't have that one essential story. And to, you know, one of the most essential things in a launch of an imprint especially is to be, be able to get off that launching pad, and you need a, a lot of creative energy and fuel to get there. And Alex um, is really loves these characters and has such a clear vision of where this thing is going. And uh, Alex. And it's what he's got cooked up for the next wave is going to be bigger. So once we get off the pad, we're in the stratosphere. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where the sky's the limit with this imprint. I, rem I I'll get a little retro, but I remember when I was an Archie reader. Archie turned me onto comics, and I remember those double page spreads that had those characters each saying hello in a different way, like "ho, hey, hello, hello. hi." And I was like, "Wow, Archie has superheroes." So that always stuck with me. So. It's really kind of cool to come full circle and actually get a chance to push these guys forward. We have time for a few more questions. Uh, got them. Uh, over there in the back. Yes. Um, so I've noticed that diversity and representation has been a big conversation in the comics community over the last couple of years. In addition to uh, gender bending the shield, how are you all at uh, Dark Circle addressing or kind of picking part of that conversation? Well, I think the, it's all about reflecting the world we're in, you know? Uh, Dwayne lives in Philly, the Black Hood is set in Philly, there's going to be a lot of kind of curating of the material in that book to represent the city, a lot of photo references going back and forth, a lot of extra material in the issue to make it a little more, you know, seem more meaningful and present. Um, you know, and it wasn't just gender flipping the shield, it was making the shield a new character that happens to be the shield, and it is the current shield. Um, and we never want to do it just to do it. I think Archie has a reputation of showing diversity and sticking to it uh, with characters like Kevin Keller and Harper Lodge, characters that stick around. And, you know, we'll continue to see that in Dark Circle. If it makes sense for the story, and it usually does, I mean, that's, that's really the, the best reason to do it. In the case of Paul Patton, the Fox, uh, he was chased out of the country by every ex-girlfriend he ever had. 
and had to go live in Japan for a while. Hence, his wife is Japanese, a Japanese yeah, woman, and yeah, he kind of well, you know, he went through some stuff in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it made sense for the story to put him out there and bring him back. So you know, do you think the third arc is Fox Player? <laughs> no, but, I, but I like what I think is identified with this panel is like if you read a dark circle comic you're going to need a hug afterwards I think that's cool sometimes an awkward hug <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I'm really excited to have this is the first time we've had all these guys on a panel together and we trade emails so many emails so many phone calls and it's really great to see the vibe kind of click into place and, and see that everyone's got this, this really cool mindset for the imprint um, I think we have time for maybe one more two more do you have any women writers on the Shield or editors or something that lend authenticity to her voice? No, I mean Chuck and Adam are writing the Shield. We we do have we are working with some you know women talent in, in terms of pitching new characters. So you'll you may see that in the second wave. Um, it's always it always goes down to the story and how it works and what's best. And Chuck, you're married, so. <laughs> that makes me an expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, actually, I mean, for me, having a wife and daughter helps a lot. Having a you know, female character under the story, I'm next novels off from a point of view of a 17 year old girl. So having a daughter to sort of like you know, tap the surf off. Yeah, it really is like it, it's sort of. I think you know, whatever gender you are as a writer, you should be able to write other genders and other viewpoints. So I, I totally hear you. You know, believe me, I, I do wish you know there are more female creators in comics, and I'm hoping that that, that does change. Um, but. Don't discount male writers for not understanding, you know, other points of view, um, especially on you know, these books. I have two cats. Can <laughs> <laughs> we get along? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've gotten the sign, but we have time for a few more. Steve? You, uh, you, you, when you were in launching these titles, you, you, you identified, I, I guess, sort of a gap in the marketplace for titles of this caliber. Um, can the writers talk a bit about, and Dean as well, uh, uh, everybody really, why you think that is? I mean, here we are, you know, comics are so much part of the mainstream. Um, they are our American form of storytelling. Everybody sort of accepts that, and yet we keep on veering over into capes and tights territory. Um, so what, 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 are the, what are the ups and downs? Why does this gap continue to rear its head? And I'm glad you guys are responding to it, but it doesn't seem to be uh, in the I mean, I, I think you're, you're, the gap is not as wide as it used to be. I think with books, you know, Image is putting out a lot of great titles with books like Fatal and uh, Lazarus and Saga. And I think uh, we, we have a lot of iconic characters. So that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be superheroes. I think the Blackfoot just lends itself to being kind of a, almost like an HBO-style crime show. Um, and the shield is really just a good spy thriller, um, and she just happens to be wearing a superhero costume. So I think that's the tact we're taking. That we have these iconic, ideal characters, and we're using them as a doorway to tell stories that maybe don't fall into what corp you know what the big two are doing. You know, you don't need a checklist to read these books. So I don't know if you guys wanted to add to that. You know, I think one thing. Um, being allowed to sort of do something that's a little more punched up, a little edgier, a little uh, more thematically resonant. You look at something like film with Hollywood, the films cost so much to make that what you end up seeing is they really have to play down the middle. They always have to make a PG-13 film to really access as much of the audience as they're, they're hoping to get. Um, but comics, thankfully, you know, each issue doesn't cost $10 million to make. So you have an opportunity here. That gap is, I think, where we come in. I think that's, you know, we can combat that sort of the we can counterbalance. TV works that way too. There's a lot of great edgy stuff in television right now because it doesn't cost quite as much to, to make that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to steal a quote uh, from our CEO John Goldwater. You know, Archie's a small company. We can pivot fast and we can move quickly. And it's it's not the kind of thing where we have to go through 20 layers of approvals with 100 people CC to an email and, and the end product is this kind of overly thought out dead thing. Um, you know, the shield happened from one day to the next. Uh, the Black Hood pitch, it was more, we, we told Dwayne to go crazy, go crazier. Um, That's true. <laughs> we want these books to have a personality, we want them to feel different. We don't want it to feel like, oh, this is just the fourth Dark Circle book and it's more of the same. Um, if they weren't individual titles, if they weren't great books, we wouldn't put them out. And I think that's kind of the tradition of Archie. The tradition Archie has built over the last six years is to put out the best material by the best talent. So I hope you'll stick with us. Uh, we have time for one more. 
Last question, make it a good one. An embarrassing question for Dean? <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> I now have three cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Will the, the original Fox have backups? Will these folks have backups as well? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> now this is a full uh, the Fox Hunt will be a full Fox story. The yeah the last one had a well spoiler alert. But the the, the backup was an integral to, to how the story where it felt like one for four issues and then bam hits you over the head. That's with right, you. baby. You didn't even see it coming, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best part about the Fox? I mean, we talk about the um, the the gap and all the, the superheroes and how that's the fallback. In a certain sense, it's easy to put you know a cape and tights on a thing and put it out there. It's what I love about the Fox and, and what I love about the other books so much is they're, uh, they're a different point of view. With the Fox, there is tights in, in the mix, but he really, the character doesn't want there to be either. Yeah. He realized being a superhero is probably the worst decision you'll ever make in your life. It sucks. Because, <laughs> it sucks. because the freaks won't stop flying at you. Yeah. You'll have to yeah. fight, you know, Stilt Man for 40 issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, in terms of backups or extra material, we have a huge backlog of really great, you know, Archie superhero stories. Um, but there's also going to be additional content in each of these books that adds to the experience. Uh, you know, Dwayne and Paul and I were brainstorming how else can how can we make a reader feel like they're in the city? Like this is all tied to the history of Philadelphia. We talked about having essays in the back from a local reporter just talking about true crime in Philly and how that ties into the Black Hood. We're going to have conversations with Chuck and Adam about how we can just really add elements so it's not just, okay, 20 pages of story and you're done, wait a month. It's really adding to the world, adding to the interactivity of these books. So. And photos of Dean's cats in the back of the box. <laughs> That'll be a digital exclusive. Shirtless cats. <laughs> Shirtless cats. <laughs> On that note, I want to thank, I really want to thank John Goldwater, Roberto Girasacasa, Mike Pellerito, Paul Kaminsky for being the editorial core of these books and really helping us get these off the ground. Uh, Jesse Goldwater has been really great in helping uh, brainstorm stuff. And to these creative all-stars on this panel for making this first wave possible. So thank you for coming to the first Dark Circle. All right, you guys, that is the Dark Circle panel from New York Comic Con 2014. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, at, at the top of this segment, um, information, good insight, cool stuff. Um, if you didn't know about the Arctic, uh, the Dark Circle uh, imprint coming next year, um, now you know. If you weren't excited about it, you are certainly excited about it now. Um, lots of great stuff. I really couldn't be more excited for this line coming up next year. Uh, be sure to write in, call in, let us know what you think um, about the panel and about Dark Circle Comics launching early next year. All right, guys, on the way out today, I want to remind everybody to head over to RiverdalePodcast.com. There you're going to see the cover for this week's Book of the Week. Sonic Boom number one. Uh, you also find links there to follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, um, everything, every actual thing. Um, all the ways to get in touch, you can email, always, always email at riverdalepodcast at yahoo.com. You can call and leave a voicemail. That's 573 427 2443. That's 5734-ARCHIE. Over at RiverdalePodcast.com, you're going to find new episodes of this very show, the Riverdale Podcast, every Saturday morning. Every Wednesday, you'll find a new episode of the Riverdale Podcast Presents, the Archie Andrews Old Time Radio Show, where dusting off and representing the classic 1940s Archie Radio Show, where uh, about... 13 episodes in, I think, at this point. Um, uh, It's a lot of fun. You'll definitely, definitely want to head over and check that out. Uh, Videos. Videos are uh, coming soon. Um, There should be uh, a little more information about that next week. I'll be launching a new video series over in the Archie Comics YouTube. Um, So keep an eye out for that. We will keep you posted with more information when we have it. 
Um, if you want to help out the show, uh, a great way is to let folks know about the show. Head over to iTunes and write a review. Give us a, uh, a four, five star, ten star rating, whatever you want to do. Um, let folks know that you're enjoying the show. Um, the more folks who listen to the show, the more fan interaction that we have, the more of a community this is, the more fun it is for everyone. So head over to iTunes, search Riverdale Podcast, search Archie Comics, uh, will pop up. You can leave a review and uh, write a star rating over there. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, be sure to check back next week, uh, every Saturday morning, for a new episode of the Riverdale Podcast. Again, welcome to anyone who's checking out the show for the first time this week. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys so much for uh, checking in every week. Um, super, super excited to have you guys along for the ride. So uh, that's going to do it for this week. My name is Jonathan, and I will see you again next week here in lovely Riverdale, USA.